You're listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. I'm truly sorry if you are here right now and you, uh, you walked into this room and you don't already feel like you're in the bosom of some family yet. I think that's really possible. You might have, you might have walked in tonight and don't feel connected. I kind of do. I'm looking around the room, seeing different people. You know how you, when you're up front, you can spot the faces and you can connect with them periodically just so you feel better. You know, I don't know if, if you walked in the room, you probably started looking around for the people you connect to, maybe even so that you feel better. Um, you might have walked in and saw people engaged in conversation and they're in this little group already or in the little dyad and you wondered, can I get into that? Should I even try to get into that? Am I welcome into that? How do I get in? And so maybe you feel even sometimes that we're lying because we say, oh, we, we, all, we, we promise so much love around here. And maybe you just don't feel that. And maybe you think that um, we shouldn't be saying something like that. I think you could, feel e- you could easily feel lonely in this room right now. And, and that's, that's the, the bad news I bring to you. That's, that's what I came to give. You're gonna, that's, that's not going to get better, I don't think. Um, because some people uh, didn't come to the meeting tonight because they don't want to feel that again. They don't, they don't go to things where people are close and they don't get close because um, what they're carrying is really just too hard for them to bear. And so they don't get into groups where people um, talk about love or maybe even feel love. Am I, am I getting anywhere yet? Because I feel like this myself sometimes, like, even quite often. I actually was thinking about this, and I thought, I might have even felt like this when I was in my family sometimes when I was a kid and uh, came across that feeling. Cause that's, that's kind of the bad news about you and me. Um, we have this um, loneliness in us that we never completely get over. Thanks for turning me up, because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a soft talker. So... Um, it's kind of a, we, we always have this, this restless kind of sense of disconnection that we carry, right? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you'll find that as I keep talking about it. We're longing for someone, longing for something. We're looking for it all the time. And I, I, I'm saying we're longing for home. We're longing for family. It's longing for connection all the time. And we, and we look for it all the time. Now, the good news of all that bad news is that this loneliness, this sense of uh, restless longing, is what keeps us on track towards home. It reminds us that we've got someplace to go. It, it actually, um, I think, gets us closer to uh, looking for our true selves. It actually makes us keep looking, keep trying. So let's talk about that. I mean, I don't think it should be any, any secret that we're a little lonely. I think that should just be human. And we, we can work with that, and we can talk about that. And so I want to do that right now. And I want to talk about how we're getting even um, lonelier in the postmodern world. So I'm going, to start, I'm going to start there. Then I'm going to try to convince you that you and, and we as Circle of Hope and, and all the the places that are hanging on to Jesus are, are antidotes to that 
dilemma that's even getting deeper in our time period. And I'm going to, then I'm going to end up trying to help you to turn that loneliness into solitude, especially during Lent. So that's my, my big, um, big idea. I started to say, I'm tired of saying, you know, we just seem to be getting lonelier. Um, humans have always been lonely, of course, but um, impressive minds of lately have been talking about how it just seems like it's an epidemic. It actually seems like it's kind of a, a new disease of this era that we're in. There's, a, there's this breakdown in this, the, the normal connections that people have had throughout the history of humanity. Kind, we're kind of, that's kind of breaking down, and, and, and it's, it's making us sick. One study was talking about, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a study person, so sorry, I'm going to quote a study. <laughs> if you think, oh, pointy head, yes, okay, I'll get over it in a minute. So uh, I'm, uh, but a study was talking about, you know, they were just doing their research, and they were finding that people, m- middle-aged people, like um, 34 to 45 or something like that. Oh, I'm sorry, 30s probably aren't middle-aged yet, so forgive me. But the, uh, they were talking about men in, in particular, uh, especially the people who are um, less educated, the, kind of the middle class people, and, and, and for some reason they're, they're more prone to dying these days than they used to, than they used to be, and uh, they're more prone to suicide, they're more so prone to alcohol abuse that leads to death, and they're more um, prone to liver disease, which is a result of alcoholism. And so they're they kind of saying, what's going on? What's, what's really happening? So they did a big study of it, and they, just, they suggested that um, it was mostly, I mean, what they were finding in this population was this hopelessness and, and helplessness that was a result of their social isolation. They, they um, were lonely. They were alone. And they said their, their addiction, you know, the addictive powers of the substances they were into, I mean, they, they were alluring in their own way. But they weren't, um, they weren't as much of a cause for them to um, use them as their uh, despair. They were, they, were, they were not finding this uh, sense of meaning or purpose. And uh, so it was, it was, it was interesting. The, the, the implication is that people are actually uh, starting revolutions. This whole group, you know, that's, that's a Trump voter. <laughs> they're, they're kind of starting revolutions because they, they're just feeling bad. They feel alone. They feel desperate. And uh, it's, it's changing the world in a way, this, this, this illness of, of loneliness. Lent is a great time to bring this up. That's why I came over to bring it up, because Lent is basically um, a long loneliness. It's a long, self-imposed loneliness, right? Out with Jesus in the wilderness, as Jesus is in our wilderness with us. And we, we uh, experience that on purpose because we're the kind of people, as you know, people who are safe in Christ, we can actually dare to face our actual condition, feeling that we'll be okay. We can, we can do that. We can, we can look at it, and we can try to deal with it. You know, we, we're, we relate to the story of the prodigal son, out there alone on the outskirts of wherever, eating the pig food and longing for home, and then going home and experiencing that reconnection. That's our story. That's what, that's what we're always looking for. Um, so you may have started the journey a little bit of Lent. Um, I don't know. I don't mean to be mean, but maybe you started it for a couple of days or you said, I think I'll try one of those uh, breath prayers that Ben was talking about and um, got into it a little bit and um, started to avoid it too or even reject it because it's that place 
that I don't want to go. And this, this season might even feel like, oh man, this is this yawning chasm of getting really serious about something that I normally find a way not to get into because I, I have a lot of well-honed defenses against going to those places I don't want to go. And so maybe that's how you're experiencing Lent so far. So I'm going to keep talking about it, just to try to encourage you to think about it and eventually um, get some, a tool or two that you might be able to deal with it. So I have a video, too. And if, and if it doesn't work, Bryce, we just, we'll just skip it. But um, I like this video so well, so, so, uh, so much. Um, I, I think that it really um, validates what you're trying to do here when you get into it, when you're trying to make a congregation of about 150 to 200 adults, you know, a little village, not too big, where you lose track of yourself or get sh- bounce off because it's just too big and not too small, so you get pressured and you feel like you're overtaxed or you're trapped in this tiny thing. It's this, it's this life-saving project you've got going that really is as great as we say it is for those thirsty people around us that the study was even talking about. You'll see in this little video how um, we're the antidote to the fact that people have abandoned, basically, their natural place in a society, in a community, in a context for this um, individualism experiment that has left them basically alone and sicker and sicker as they get better at it. You'll see how our cells are this place where we um, develop communication, uh, develop conversation, rather than the, um, what the social media provides, something unlike a, uh, a connection only, an image. You know, the cells are where we, we build relationships as our true selves, you know, rather than just as an online profile, right? All that in four minutes. So um, enjoy. Let's see if it works. A simple thought. Monkeys that are known to have a developed social life organize in small groups of several dozen members. The size of each of these groups is limited. In order for them to function, all members of the group need to know each other well. The average size of the group changes from 20 to 50 members. When the number of monkeys in a group passes a certain threshold, the social order crumbles and the group tends to split into two separate groups. A similar situation can be found amongst humans as well. The invention of language and gossip has helped us shape larger and more stable groups. Sociological research indicates that the maximum natural size of a group of humans is roughly 150 members. Most humans are just incapable of intimately knowing more than 150 people, so even today, the threshold of human organization is around the number of 150 members. Man is a social creature, and the feeling of loneliness can drive him mad, yet the Western and modern world sanctions individuality. The individual is measured by personal achievements, such as having a career, wealth, a self-image, and consumerism. In this course of action, many people lose their social and familial connections in favor of a self-actualization ideal. As the social fabric in the Western world weakens, it is not surprising that more and more people define themselves as lonely. And thus, loneliness has become the most common ailment of the modern world. One of the possible reasons for this ailment is the online social network. In a world where time is money, in which our surroundings heavily pressure us to achieve more and more, our social life becomes tainted and more demanding than ever before. And then there's technology. Simpler, hopeful, optimistic, ever young. 
We become addicted to virtual romance, disguised by the social network which supplies an impressive platform that allows us to manage our social life most effectively. However, our fantasies about substitutions are starting to take a toll. We're collecting friends like stamps, not distincting quantity versus quality, and converting the deep meaning and intimacy of friendship with exchanging photos and chat conversations. By doing so, we're sacrificing conversation for mere connection, and so a paradoxical situation is created, in which we claim to have many friends while actually being lonely. So what is the problem in having a conversation? Well, it takes place in real time, and you can't control what you're going to say. And that is the bottom line. Texting, email, posting, all of these things let us present the self as we want it to be. We get to edit, and that means we get to delete. Instead of building true friendships, we're obsessed with endless personal promotion, investing hours on end building our profile, pursuing the optimal order of words in our next message, choosing the pictures in which we look our best, all of which is meant to serve as a desirable image of who we are. We're expecting more from technology and less from each other. The social networks aren't just changing what we're doing, but also who we are. And that's because technology appeals to us most where we are most vulnerable. And we are vulnerable. We are lonely, or we're afraid of intimacy, while the social networks offer us three gratifying fantasies. One, that we can put our attention wherever we want it to be. Two, that we will always be heard. And three, that we will never have to be alone. And that third idea, that we will never have to be alone, is central to changing our psyches. It's shaping a new way of being. The best way to describe it is, I share, therefore, I am. We use technology to define ourselves by sharing our thoughts and feelings, even as we're having them. Furthermore, we're faking experiences so we'll have something to share, so we can feel alive. We slip into thinking that always being connected is going to make us feel less alone. But we are at risk, because the opposite is true. If we are not able to be alone, we're only going to know how to be lonely. If we can't learn to be alone, we can only be lonely. And that's one of the reasons to have uh, Lent as that long loneliness in which we let our loneliness lead us to God. It's very practical, very practical season. And when we follow our restlessness into our fullness, we learn how to let it lead us rather than um, just destroy us. Lent's about turning our loneliness into solitude. Solitude is being alone with God. Um, loneliness is just being alone. So we're working on that. We're working on solitude. We sing a song about that um, restless longing that we have inside. Maybe you know it. It's straight from St. Augustine, if you know who he is. But um, remember that one, Dan? It's, um, you have made us. For yourself, O Lord, and our hearts, they are restless until they rest in you. Great song. You know, we, we, it means that we have a built-in uh, desire for God. And Augustine was... Um, you know, trying to help us get in touch with that, you know, to, to know that we're, we're basically installed with this restlessness. Um, 
all our longing is to see if it's, you, you, may, you may or may not think this is true. I do. Uh, but Augustine was saying that all our longings represent this basic longing that we have for reconnection with God. Every time you feel one of those, those desires, these longings that we have, even that loneliness, it's about your need to be reconnected with God and to have that, that intimacy. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, probably haven't heard of him either, but a famous guy also said that um, when you experience the image of God in another person or when you see the image of God in nature, that's part of it too. You know, that desire you have to connect with people and to find your space and your context where you really feel like you have meaning there is also basically that longing that we have for our connection with God. So we're lonely until we make that connection. So, um, you know, we're experiencing that loneliness uh, more than ever, um, like the video was briefly talking about, especially highlighting social media. But I, I want to talk about some more examples of, you know, how, how, they, how we experience that and how are the antidote to it. Like, I think that um, in this, this area, this era, I never know if this is working. Bryce, give me another slide. There it is. We have a lot of time on our hands, really. But certainly more than my, my uh, grandmother did, who had to work every day trying to make sure the chickens stayed alive so they'd have something to eat. You know, we, we have a lot of leisure, and we're, we're free, in some sense, to pursue more of the depths of us than we were before, you know, um, and to pursue distractions that will allow us not to pursue the depths of us. You know, either way, we're, we're taking up time, and we have space to do stuff, like to... Um, you know, either, I guess, develop ourselves or not, like this guy sucked into his screen, you know, in the picture there. Um, you might think of that psychic, you know, temperature that's kind of turned up right now as something that's, that's pushing on you. I should, I should become something. I should go to therapy, we always talk around here. I should be doing yoga. I should be de- developing my EQ or something. I should find my soulmate. You know, I have to scroll until I find one. Most of us... Um, don't necessarily experience this uh, increased temperature for all of that as um, an opportunity to grow. We kind of experience it as a force that's pushing us and making us even more restless. And so right now we're going to get excited about March Madness. That's going to um, occupy us for a while. We'll probably meticulously decorate our house sometime this year, or maybe meticulously groom our dog. You know, we'll find something to do. You know, we're going to carefully calculate our food choices and how many steps I have taken today. You know, and, and, and just find something kind of dis- to distract us that meets our sense of that restlessness. I'm going to find something to do with it. But we don't always know why we're doing it. We're just kind of restless. And we do more things, and we have the time to do it. It's like we're searching for a place, but we never really get home. And so we feel lonely. We feel lonely. As a church, I think we're the antidote to this. This is one, one of the ways we're the antidote, because we're making a home in Christ. You know, we have this, we have this uh, connection to an eternal home, and we're, and we're experiencing it right now. We can relax. I hope you can relax here. I hope I'm not making you nervous or I'm making you feel more restless because I'm just asking you for more to do. I hope not, because I, I, I hope you can make a connection. I ho- our faith shouldn't be just another leisure activity, should it be? Another thing to distract you from something else? People do use religion for that, of course, but, but uh, in its essence, it's not that. Faith is the way home our restless hearts are uh, seeking, and we're working on that. Um, this uh, picture is... Uh, 
you know, uh, an example of how um, the habitat in New Jersey, for instance, where the turnpike and all the freeways go up the state, if you're a rabbit, you can't get from one place to another like you used to. And your habitat's fragmented in all these different kinds of ways. And um, we're kind of that, we represent that too. We're kind of fragmented ourselves. And we're maybe living outside of our natural habitat. Are you following all this? The, uh, the, uh, we used to live in an extended family, right? You know, maybe, maybe you still do. Um, but you, we used to have uh, these intimate kinds of connections with people where we didn't have a lot of privacy or we didn't have um, any, much that was impersonal in our lives. Um, and a lot, in, most, in some places in the world still, like we used to, we didn't have a lot of social mobility. We didn't move all over the country and, and like, we, like we do now. Um, but now we, we, we do do all those things. We're, the family's more characterized by a nuclear family, if you get that. You know, oftentimes it's not that even... Um, there's really a lot of impersonality where you, where you don't have a lot of personal things you do and you're, maybe you're not even feel like you shouldn't even do it. shouldn't even be that way. And there's a lot of mobility. We got a lot of um, choice on how we're going to relate and to whom we're going to relate. But we are, are, are lonely, lonelier. I mean, we're catastrophically lonely and often depressed and anxious as a result. And I hope that's not you, but in general... I think that's the landscape. Um, you know, we take meds to, to stay kind of self-sufficient when we might, we might better heal if we were actually connected to God and others, which is our natural state. Um, we walk the streets wondering how we're going to meet somebody, or we've stopped walking the streets wondering how we're going to meet somebody. Or if you, and if you do walk, I don't know how it's like in this neighborhood. I mean, I've walked in this neighborhood, and people are actually going to they say hi to me. I walk down the street in Philadelphia quite often, and they uh, won't even look at me. You know, I, I have college students in my neighborhood that resolutely won't look at me. Even if you, like, tackle them, I go down and say, hello, you know, <laughs> won't, even, won't even talk to me even though I'm acting like a fool. So uh, it's, it's, uh, they're, they're very alone. It's not like a taboo to make eye contact. And I think as a church, we're, we're an antidote to that. I mean, we're audaciously even making family. We'll say that, that we are going to be a village. And some of you moved into this village quite some time ago and you're, you're staying in it because you actually know or intuit that you need to stick because not being stuck is like a peril to your soul. You, you need to be in the community. For many of us, um, this intimacy and, and continuity that we experience in the church takes some reculturing. You know, we have to, to learn it again. And we're, we're patient with us, as, as all of us, we're patient with each other as we grow. Since we know, you know, we have to, we have to, we're recovering from the enforced loneliness to which society condemns us. And we're trying to overcome that, right? Another cause of this uh, loneliness we feel these days is, is a future shock. These are new condos that are across from our building over in Frankfurt Ave that used to be on the outskirts of like, civilization, they thought. And now civilization has found them, and they have to pay to be in the neighborhood, <laughs> to pay to walk outside, because there's a, a new, new group of people, a new culture that has moved in, and it's like a, the future moved into to your neighborhood, and now you don't feel like you live in your own neighborhood. Now I'm lonely for my old neighborhood. 
I'm lonely for my, my uh, people, and I feel dislocated. Just think about what it feels like if you're one of the Fishtown natives that have uh, been there since the 1920s. You know, they, they really feel like a level, level, level of having the future come in and steal their territory. And it's, and it's a phenomenon. You know, I have, I have one friend who um, has never had a cell phone. She's kind of old, but she, she decided not to have a cell phone. And uh, so she's not disoriented every week when one of her apps has to be updated, and now she doesn't know how to use it. You know, she has to relearn it again. Or she gets a new computer every, you know, two years or three years or something like that, and then you have to learn an entirely new operating system that drives you crazy for how many months until you adapt to it? You know, this is, this is the, the uh, kind of future shock we experience all the time. And as a church, we're kind of the antidote. We're going to be the antidote to future shock. At least, we're, at least we provide the opportunity to make, for people to make a face-to-face relationship that's an antidote for just being attacked all day while you're alone by the technology, right? Um, in the middle of this swirling uh, catastrophe of the future, we're kind of like an island. And I, and I don't really, I mean, I, I didn't want to just say ca- catastrophe of the future. That sounds terrible. It's very negative. And I'm kind of a positive guy. But when I think, but when I think about global warming and what that might mean, you know, when I think about that, that the synchronicity of the info that they keep talking about and what that's going to mean, you know, that, I think we really need someone to hold on to, um, being, being alone in the midst of that. Um, it could be terrible, and we, and we need a place where hearts are healed and people find confidence in their future. And that's us. That's what we're doing. One last idea here. The... Remember them? Um, you can look at them up on what's this? What's the one that where always shows what they what they're like now? Really interesting. Um, huh? That I seventy. Some of my friends, I make an eye contact. They don't know who it is. What? what well, you weren't alive in the seventies or what? This is in the <laughs> this is the eighties talking about the seventies. This is that seventies show. It's a sitcom that was on TV, and um, I just mainly wanted to show them because they have their this picture of them is one thing that the media does. The media, the media describes the, our desires, describes our longing for us, and, and mirrors it back to us. And one of the things that these folks are doing in this picture is that they're all touching. You notice that? How many, how many times did you get touched this week like that? Have you, have you ever been in a picture like that? I mean, maybe. Maybe you, maybe you made one for Facebook so you'd look like you had friends like that. I don't know. That's what they, that the video was accusing you of doing. Um, uh, if you don't have one of those, you feel lonely for it, right? They say that uh, another study, uh, that, that men in particularly uh, actually have, uh, the, the generation of men right now are being psychologically damaged because they are so untouched. Because they, ha- they have touch a, touch-a-phobia and um, as a society in general, we're really kind of physically alone in the United States. If you, if you travel like I do, you, you know that uh, in other cultures, they, they might run up and touch you. They don't even know you. They might make a sale, and they're touching you while they're making the sale. And if you're an American, you go, uh, you can't touch me. Don't you know this? I have like a border right here. And uh, you know, we're border people, so we don't, don't do that. As a church, we're... Um, we're an antidote to that kind of aloneness and loneliness as a result because we're the place where real people 
do real things. At least I hope you feel that way around here. Like you, you as you is okay. And us as us is that's it. You know, us and God, that's what we're talking about. There's nothing, there's nothing that's behind the curtain. You know, this, this is just what it is. We're kind of stubbornly like that. We're not an idealization. We're not a competition. Um, we're, we're, we're more organic than that. And you might get touched. You know, you might not have even chosen to be here. You know, like people are going to, oh, I'm going to have that kind of thing, so I'm going to go, go get that. God may have chosen you, and you ended up here. And so um, the fact that you're gathering around Jesus makes the connection. We have a lot of, we have a lot of damage to repair in that area, but Jesus is healing us. So like I said earlier, I am uh, sorry that you are lonely. That I, I want it that way, friend. Um, I mean, even right now, I, I, I feel for you if you're feeling lonely. And I didn't mean to bring it up just so you would feel less connected when you wanted to be connected. I would, I would wish that you would just walk into this room and you would feel automatically connected. And maybe that did happen to you, but maybe it, but maybe it didn't. We're, we're working on it, and I, and I hope what I say next will help you work on it. Because I would like to help you, before I'm done, just help, turn your loneliness into solitude. And G- Jesus does have that one promise that he gives us. How, remember how he says, I will, never, I will never leave you or forsake you. And we, as, as the Lord's hands and feet, are, are part of that same process. You know, we're like the hug of Jesus. You know, Jesus and us, the Holy Spirit, working us together, making a body, still working like the hands and feet of Jesus in the present day. I mean, a lot of people I know are, are, are really acting more self-reliant than they want to be. You know, they may look like they're okay, just doing it on their own, totally cap- capable. But when you get to know them, they're, they're just like the rest of us. Way too many people are, are, are really just giving up on real connection. But I think that's why we got created as the church, so that we could alleviate that. We're at least here for one another. As uh, We all face that nagging lack that I think uh, leads us to God. So um, why don't you face it all, that, this, long, this long loneliness during Lent? I'm going to give you a few ways you can you can do that. If you wanted to, if you wanted to turn your loneliness into solitude, and this is a deep thing. So I mean, if you don't want to, I'm not trying to make you do it. And if you don't do it, that doesn't make your mean you're bad, and you shouldn't try it again sometime when you're ready. But if you want if you wanted to try this and actually work with this condition I'm talking about, you could try this, and you could do it do it uh, during Lent. First, uh, first thing you could do is. Um, I was going to make these come up one by one. It didn't work that way. But uh, turn, turn, your, uh, turn into the loneliness, not away. Try to turn into the loneliness. Like I was saying that, that Augustine said that our loneliness is a thirst for God. He was out on Temple campus, and someone got wind of our um, mission statement that says that we're here for the thirsty people around us. And they said, hey, you shouldn't say that everyone's thirsty. You know, because not everyone feels thirsty like you're saying, and that's kind of disingenuous. And so, and so well, then, well, that's okay. If I'm saying this and you don't feel thirsty, fine. 
I'm, I'm mainly talking to the people like me who probably know exactly what I'm talking about. And, they, and they, then they feel that, that restlessness, that yearning that leads them to the porn screen or that, that leads them to the refrigerator, that leads them to stay in an, in an abusive relationship. You know, turn your um, avoidance and go into that loneliness and let it turn to solitude. Face it and see it. Uh, don't just avoid it. I hope that I, I keep going on in this speech because I'm giving you a lot of time to do it. I'm letting it rise up, and maybe maybe you'll notice it. Maybe you'll take a chance to note it because that's a real beginning. That's not nothing to, to actually see it and be willing to see it. Don't don't fear it. Don't don't despair over it because you're safe in Christ to face whatever is in you. You're loved even when you're lonely. Maybe more, or maybe maybe Jesus uh, is out there in his wilderness to find you where you're lonely. Being alone with God is solitude, and being alone is just loneliness. So after that, uh, try, to, try to change your perspective. Once you've noted, noted what, what I'm talking about, try to change your perspective about it. I mean, I think we should admit it. You're never going to be satisfied. Just admit it. You're never going to be satisfied. You can stop demanding that of the universe, finally. Stop demanding it of your intimates. Just admit it, that you're never really going to be satisfied. You might be content in your faith, in your hope, and in your love, you know, knowing that you have a future, but, but you've got this thing in you. We'll never really be satisfied as we can imagine being satisfied. That, uh, that perfection that we secretly admit we haven't achieved that, that always nags at us, it probably isn't going away, and it's probably not going to happen, this side of, of death. You know, like when you were shocked that you couldn't play the guitar after you had a few lessons, and you still feel bad about that? You know, that dissatisfaction? Or you know you're still upset every time your, ma- your spouse really can't cook the meat properly? Again? This is overcooked! I don't want overcooked meat. I want good meat. I want it this red. I want it to look like this. Here's the picture from the internet. You know how you didn't get into grad school and you still wonder about yourself? Or you're 40 and you're disappointed in where you are now? Or there weren't enough people who wished you happy birthday on Facebook for your birthday? You know, you know maybe, maybe your disquiet you know, tempted you to change your identity or to, or to move to Seattle. You know? Admit it. Admit it. That happens. You know, um, change your perspective about it because that loneliness, that, that experience isn't really your enemy. It's not something that you just have to run away with or that you restlessly have to try to alleviate. Lo- that loneliness really is your friend. It's your friend. It's leading you. It's like the mainspring in your watch that keeps you moving towards your purpose, to your, to your, uh, your truest self, towards your reunification with God. It's, it's helping you see where you're at and see where you should go. It's, it's your friend that drives you onward. It keeps you seeking. It keeps you expectant, open to what's next. And it, it keeps you dissatisfied with the, um, what would you say, the, uh, the pseudo-solutions, the um, partial solutions. It, that, that feeling keeps you dissatisfied with um, something that's merely hedonistic or, or short-term. Let it be. 
It is what it is. It's part of you. So finally, of course, as we're doing, listen, listen to it. Because that loneliness is like an imprint on us. It's like a marker. It, make, it means you're human. It means you need, to be, you need to be connected to God. And it constantly questions where we are and tells us where we're going. Listen to it. If you're married, you know that uh, your mate does not satisfy all your needs for connection. You're probably embarrassed I even brought it up because like, they're supposed to. And then they never do. And so, of course, you hate them. Well, but you wouldn't say that because you're not supposed to do that. Because if you're supposed to be meeting all their connections too, and you wouldn't want to say that because then they wouldn't like it. Or whatever. You know how this goes? You know, but, you, but it's just a fact. You know, um, they, they, they're not be exactly what you want. You know, they're not going to be like you're the baby in the cradle waiting for the breast and they're the breast. You know, that's not going to happen. They aren't that. Don't beat up your mate because of that. Listen to your own loneliness. Listen to it. Receive the intimacy you're getting and uh, let what is unsatisfied lead you to solitude and back to God. I felt dislocated with a couple of people that were dear to me last week and it, and it really bothered me. One night I, even, I was even awake in the night because I was troubled by it and I was fretting about it. I didn't, I didn't want to be disconnected. Don't want to feel disconnected. I got back with my people, but, but before I did, I spent a lot of time with God and with people who tried to connect me to God because I had to listen to my loneliness before I made everybody else sick. And uh, I, I infected them. Why don't you try that for Lent? Why don't you, why don't you give up being numb for Lent? Why don't, you, why don't you give up being inattentive to yourself for Lent? We don't need to avoid our longing because God is waiting for us to come up the road. We're going to get there. You know, we're, we're coming back, and he's going to meet us. Jesus is with us right now. And I hope you meet him in, in your solitude. I hope you dare to try to meet him in that heart-to-heart way in your solitude. God is what you need, and, and Jesus God with us will lead you home. Let's pray about that. Help us, Lord, so that we can keep learning how to get into the ways that connect us uh, with others, even, even right here. Connect us with you. Jesus, please lead us to feel like we belong in our own skin and uh, in our context. And help us during this Lent when we especially face all these things, so when we're trying to be, we're trying to resist and to be restored. Out there with you in the wilderness, as you are here with us in ours. Even right now, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, touch us where we feel needy and give us that sense of contentment that even when we feel those terrible senses of being alone and that restlessness that torments us that you are with us and you're leading us home in jesus name amen thanks for listening to circle of hope sunday meeting podcast if you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell you can find one under our connect tab at circleofhope.net